Welcome to the New Freedom Church Podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. Get your Bibles, turn with me today to uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. And last week we looked at how this good news announcement found in the previous chapter by Jesus, this good news announcement is an invitation for salvation to whosoever will. Are you glad today that you said yes to that call of invitation? If you haven't yet said yes before this service is over, you are going to have an opportunity to do that. Today we're going to look at what it looks like a little deeper to actually follow Jesus. Luke chapter 5, I just want to read a few verses. It says this, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little further from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep, And let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking, so that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came, they filled both boats, so that they began to sink. When Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they brought their nets, when they they brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. What we see here is this great scene where Jesus has been teaching. Jesus has been in the countryside. He has been uh, in this whole surrounding region giving forth this great message, this wonderful invitation that salvation is available to whosoever will. And he comes upon the seaside of the Sea of Galilee. He comes upon the seaside and he sees that there are two boats that are docked and that the professional fishermen were cleaning their nets. Now, what that meant was that business was closed. They were done for their work day. Their work day actually was overnight because the best time to catch fish was overnight. And so they had toiled all night long without any catch, and business was closed. Now, I see Jesus looking at this situation, seeing that there's a uh, a closed sign in the window, and he jumps up onto a boat. Can you imagine the tenacity of Jesus to just meander right in a closed business? Now, many of you try to to catch it right under the wire. You know, you're walking in five minutes before the business closes, and you hear the announcement. They watch you walk in the door, and they say, please make your final selection and come to the cashier for we are closing in five minutes. And if you've ever been on the side of having to give that, that message or you've been that, that person at that store, you always kind of begrudge the person that comes in right at the last minute, right? So I could imagine that Peter and the disciples, they were looking and they were saying, you know, what is this guy doing? Doesn't he realize that we're closed? And he gets up in the boat and he begins to teach. 
And then he asks a couple requests of them. We see what happens with the rest of the story. We're going to break this story down just a little bit. But I would share with you this, that sometimes for illustration purposes and for, uh, I guess you would call it sermon research, I have to do something that will put me in the context of the text. And so earlier this week, I reached out to Pastor Tom and I said, hey, you've got a boat. He said, I've got a boat. I said, Caesars Creek isn't far. Why don't we go fishing? So on Thursday, we were doing some sermon prep time, all right? And I have to tell you that this man really closely identifies in his fishing tactics like the disciples because we fished all day and caught nothing. <laughs> Jesus gets into this boat after they had toiled all night long and he makes a couple of requests to these men. At this point, I, I just called them the disciples. They're not the disciples yet. They're about to be. But we know the rest of the story, so we look back in hindsight with retrospect to realize that Jesus is doing something here more so than just teaching. He is actually training them for the ministry which he's going to call them into. And so most of us can, can recall a time in life when we as children have played follow the leader. And I recall being in grade school having to walk in a single file line to recess or to the cafeteria. And, and I particularly remember in like, like younger grades where you have to follow the leader. And the teacher will tell you, follow the leader. Now, that is pretty fun if you're the leader. But I'm going to tell you that for me, when I was in the back of the line, I tended to wander a little bit. Yeah, I would follow the leader for a few steps. But just as soon as the teacher would turn her back, I was kind of looking out. I want to see who the leader is. You know, and then get back in line, Joey. You know how it is. And so when we follow the leader... It's really not that fun unless you're leading. But we're going to find today that there is something that is powerful about following Jesus, about following the leader. And so I've got just a few points I want to break down today. And the first one is this. Following Jesus means making your resources available to him. Verse 3 says that Jesus got on the boat. He got right in there with them, and he participated in the plan. Jesus got in their boat. And I want to ask you today, are you willing for Jesus to come and get into your boat? Are you willing to share your resources with Jesus? You see, Jesus didn't just simply tell them what to do, but he modeled it for them. He got in the boat, and he showed them what to do. If you remember back around, I think it was 1999, it was in March, we had a three-day uh, uh, snowstorm here in the tri-state. And they say that there was about 18 and a half inches that fell over a three-day span of time. Most of it fell on that first day. I think it was March 14th. And I remember having just been recently promoted to a manager at the local dealership that I was working at. And having just been promoted as the manager, I was really anticipating what this day was going to hold because I remember being the lot guy, I remember being the sales guy, and they had these foam snow brooms that you would have to go out after every snowstorm and you'd have to clear the, window, the windshields off the windows of every car. Now, you can imagine about 400 parked cars and you're pulling the snow. It's not a fun task. It looks fun at first, but it's not a fun task. And so having just been promoted to the manager, I went back to the back shop and I got me a piping hot cup of coffee because I was surely going to look out at that lot today and I was going to tell them boys how to do this. I've done this before. I'm going to instruct them how it's going to be done. 
But then out of the corner of my eye with a piping hot coffee, I see some guy in a full-blown blizzard suit with not just a snow brush, but he had a shovel in his hand. And I thought, who is this guy? Who led him here? And come to find out, it was our general manager, Billy Watson, had gone home and got his snowsuit, and he's out there clearing off the, the windows of the car. So you know what I had to do? I had to put down my coffee, <laughs> and I had to suit up and get out there and do the work just like everybody else. This was a day where all hands are on deck. And this is the joy about sharing your resources with Jesus is that he doesn't just command you or tell you how you have to divvy them up, but he comes to participate with us in this great mission that he has called us to. And so the question today for all of us, if you're following Jesus, are you going to allow him in your boat? Is Jesus allowed to partner with your life? Because you can keep him on the wayside. You can stay inside looking outside and sipping your hot coffee. But if you're never participating with the plan of God, then you are missing out in what God has for you. Let Jesus in your boat. Number two is this. Following Jesus may mean changing your business plan. Verses four and five, it says that he told them what to do, to, to cast out, to go out into the deep and to cast out. Now, I can imagine that these fishermen, these professionals, would surely look at this teacher and say, okay, rabbi, teacher in the synagogue, preacher in the surrounding area, you stay in your lane and we'll stay in our lane. We're the fishermen, you're the teacher. Now, if we come into the synagogue, you can tell us how to teach, but you're on our turf, you're on our home field now. What are you doing telling us how to fish? Isn't that how we approach life many times? We're professional. We've done it a long time this way. We're not ready to take advice from somebody who may be in another field or another category of life, somebody who may not have the, the kind of credentials or the pedigree that we have in a particular field. And yet when they give a piece of advice, you know, the, the scripture says that out of the mouth of babes, he has perfected praise. You ever had a prophetic utterance from a child? It's like, yeah, they were really right about that. <laughs> and it takes a humility to accept the teaching, the training from somebody that we don't perceive as being on par with us. And the, the, these fishermen surely ha had to look at Jesus for a minute and say, who do you think you are telling us how to fish? We're professionals. We've been doing this all our lives. We have already exhausted the best part of the fishing hours. It was overnight. The fish don't bite during the daytime. We all know this. And so what are you doing telling us how to fish? And sometimes we have these futile objections, these challenges to God's plan for our life. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you will have to submit your business plans to the plan of the Father. And look what Jesus says for them to do. Go out into the deep. In other words, there's some things that God has for you that cannot be found in the shallows of life. Amen. There are some things that God wants to reveal to you, but he can't do it in knee-deep water. There are some things that you can learn that happen around the ankle-deep water and the knee-deep water, but Jesus is saying to the, these men this day, there's something else that's a whole other thing. It's a whole other revelation. It's out there in the deep. And if you will come out with me into the deep, then I'll show you the deep things of God. Yea, the things which the Spirit of God dwells on the inside that draws up from that wellspring of life. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he said, go out into the deep and cast your nets 
on the other side of the boat. You know, you may have been trying something for a long time the same way, the same time, the same place, the same people, and Jesus is giving a prophetic utterance even to us today. Just try it another way. Cast on the other side. Go out just a little bit deeper. If you are willing to try something different, then you will get some different results. Allow God to reveal into your heart something that you may have tried before, but it's been a long time. You may have gone down that path before, but you have forgotten how long it's been. And so willingness to go with God, to change our plans, to alter our business plans in order to get to his plan. And nevertheless, these men, uh, they obeyed. They did what Jesus asked them to do. But is there an area in your personal life in your business aspirations, in your planning for the future? Is there something that you need to surrender to the counsel of Jesus today? Letting God in on your business plans. See, many of us are afraid to relinquish the plans in our lives, our thinking. We're, we're figuring that God will just mess them all up. We're, we're afraid to let go of, of what it is that we've said in our hearts because we get married to our intentions. We couple our lives so deeply to what we want, we're afraid that if we do something, then it, it, it may not be what God wants, and therefore what God wants may be something different than what we want. But what if the very thing that you want the most is exactly what God is wanting to speak to you? What if the the ways of this world and the conventions of man and all of the thinking that you have brought up to this point are really just a lot of good advice or human notions, but what God really wants is that deep thing that you want. The psalm says it like this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what exactly comprises that? Does it mean that I just dream something up and say, oh, because I have a desire, that must mean God wants it for me? No. What the psalmist is trying to tell us is that as you find delight in God, then all of a sudden these desires will start percolating up in your heart. There will be something that becomes so real to you that you can almost touch it, but it's not there yet. It is a desire yet fulfilled, and it is, is down deep in your heart. As you're delighting yourself in God, God gives you that desire to want that thing. Now, if you're just delighting yourself in pleasure and you're just heaping up everything you can in this life, then those desires are not, are not necessarily sanctioned by God. They may not be bad, but they may not be God's thing. But as you delight yourself in God, he will knit desires into your heart. What if the very thing that God wants for you is what you ultimately want for your life? Amen. Following Jesus may just exceed your expectations. Now, all of us have expectations. We all have a certain level of things that we anticipate, that we expect to happen in life. And every now and then, something will exceed our expectations to our delight. It's kind of like putting your name on the waiting list for the restaurant and they tell you it'd be 45 minutes, but they call you after 25 minutes. Your expectations were exceeded. That was kind of a trick because it was always a 15-minute wait anyway. They just kind of buffered a little bit so that they didn't have to disappoint you. But yet other times, and these are what we focus on more often, other times our expectations get let down. We don't get met to our expectations. What we expected doesn't happen, and therefore we get disappointed. But following Jesus 
may just exceed your expectations. Too many people live below the spiritual heritage that they really have, their, their spiritual privilege. They, they don't ask big things from God because they don't really even expect that they can have the common things of life. They, they've been so conditioned to believe that they're unworthy, that they're, they're not good enough, that they'll never measure up. And so therefore they come into the faith and, and they don't really uh, have a lot of expectations because nothing in life has really panned out the way that they would have liked it to pan out. But I wanna challenge you to do something today. If you are following Jesus, I want you to dream bigger. I want you to believe for more. I want you to just get an extravagant desire, an extravagant dream in Jesus and, and let it be seasoned in your heart. Begin delighting yourself in God and let that expectation elevate. Let that expectation rise. Let Jesus begin to put these desires into your heart. And what you'll find is that usually those desires are not self-serving. They're not selfish. They're not even for you. They're actually for him. And when you help out God, what you're gonna find yourself being is a helper of other people. And when you do that, there is such a reward. There is such a delight. There is no joy like the joy of giving and being a person of blessing to another. That is the greatest joy in life. And so I want you to, to, to just challenge your heart to ask for something really big, to desire something for God and for his kingdom and allow your expectations to be elevated. The next one is this. It's found in verse eight. Let's read verse eight again. It says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What was he doing here? Well, following Jesus will reveal yourself to you. Following Jesus will cause you to get real with yourself. If you're really a follower of Jesus, there are gonna be some things that you start to see about you that you don't really like about you. Newsflash, others have seen it about you for a long time and they don't like it either. <laughs> but following Jesus will reveal yourself to you. Peter, in this moment, whose name is Simon here, Simon, recognized that he was a man of little faith. That, that yes, even though he said, Master, we'll do it at your command, there was something about him that he still didn't even expect that when he cast it out on the other side of the boat, even in a deeper place, there was a doubt in his heart that he didn't expect to catch fish. And it says that he, they caught so much fish that their nets began to burst. Now, a professional fisherman would certainly have nets that were strong enough to catch a pretty big load. But it says not only did they start to burst the nets, but their boat began to sink. Now, first century historians have kind of gone back to reconstruct this scene. Okay, how many fish would it really have taken to sink a boat in that century? And that, that type of an area, how much would it take? And here's what they've come up with. It was probably more than one ton of fish that were coming into their nets. Their boats began to sink and they had to call for the other professional fishermen to come and help them. This was the equivalent of about two weeks worth of fishing every day and every night, mainly at night, because that's when you would catch fish. And they caught it in one cast. Can you say miracle? I mean, this is a miraculous provision that Jesus gave them to exceed their expectations, to raise their level 
of expectancy with God. What does God want us to do? But here's what happened in this revealing of a miracle. And here's, here's why God operates in miracles. It's not just so you can have a little uh, God bless me kind of a moment. But miracles reveal something. Namely, they reveal the good character and nature of God. But in this case, what was being revealed was Simon looked into a looking glass of his heart. And he was revealed to be a man of little faith, a man who was a sinner not worthy of this blessing. And here's what you'll find out is when you receive such a great blessing from God, there will be a self-revelation that you will say, I am not deserving of this. I didn't merit this. I'm not worthy of this. And the fact is you're not worthy. You can't earn it. You can't merit it. That's why it's grace. Grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It is God's grace. And when we follow Jesus, we will be in a place of beholding our lives to the light of God. No one will have to humble us, for we humble ourselves before the Lord. Scriptures tell us to humble yourselves, therefore, before God. You, you can either humble yourself or wait until the day comes where God will humble you. But either way, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. I'd rather do it now. I'd rather follow Jesus now and have myself revealed as ugly and as broken and as dirty as it is. I would rather have me revealed to me so that I can take it to God. And here's what else happens. Following Jesus has set some people on an unexpected journey. Maybe you're watching today, you're here thinking about where you have come in the short time you've served God. And, and if you've served God for two years, that's a short time. If you've served God 25 years, that's a short time. If you have served Jesus for 50 years, that's still a short time in the scope of eternity, is it not? And it is an unexpected journey. Verses 9 and 10, it says that these men continued with their prior training, but they were getting a new commission. So, Jesus said, you're not going to stop being fishermen. You're going to fish now for men. They were still fishermen fishing for men. And so Jesus used everything in their prior experience, their tact of drawing a fish out, knowing the time and the season, the day, when the opportune moment, when to cast the net, how to pull it up. Jesus used everything in their prior experience, the prior life that they had to engage them in the new path that he had for them. And so this unexpected journey for them was that they never expected that they would come off the water and do land work. And you may have never expected you would find yourself in the calling and the occupation in the vocation that you are at right now and that you are thinking about a, a new launching opportunity that you just can't even hardly imagine that you would be qualified for, that you would have the wherewithal to do, the energy to do. But this unexpected journey is where God has been bringing you all the way to this point. There's a reason why you are where you are. God has seen fit to take everything in your past, redeem it, and use it for his kingdom. This unexpected journey we find in the Old Testament when they were building the ancient tabernacle, it recounts how that tradesmen and artists 
and skilled workers. They brought their skills and they utilized them to build the house of God. This is a great parallel picture of how God will take every little thing that is necessary in our lives and help us to channel it, to use it for the building of his kingdom. I've watched people do this around our church for years. This, is, this has been one of the delights of ministry is that people who have a talent, they have a gift, they have a skill, can utilize it during the week, maybe even during a Sunday. A lot of times and oftentimes it's behind the scenes. You never know what's happening, but someone will wire up an electrical outlet here. Another person will, will paint a wall over there. Someone will say, I can do this little task over there. I can put some labels on an envelope. There's something that people can do that may not ever get them on stage or behind the camera or singing behind a microphone, but they are utilizing their gift and their talent. And here is the joy of it. Some plant, some water, but who gives the increase? God gives the increase. And so everything that someone does in order to advance and move this mission forward utilizing their gifts, their talents, their abilities, everything that you have been trained to do in your vocational world, you can find some application for it in the spiritual world, in the kingdom of God. There is some way that God can take and use your ability. It may be unexpected to you, but God has seen it all the way from the beginning. And that is one of the joys that I've had of watching people uh, invest in their local body, invest in their community, in their gifts and their skills and their talents that they use every single day. And here's the beautiful thing about it is that we all share in the glory of God as a result of that work. God gets the glory and we all share in the process. But look at verse six. I mean, sorry, look at number six, it's verse 11. It says that when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. These men followed Jesus. Following Jesus means leaving some things behind. For these men, they brought their possessions and their boats to the land Jesus had already given them a new commission. No longer are you going to fish for what's out there in the sea. You're going to become fishers of men. And it says that they forsook all of that and they followed Jesus. Now, I don't believe by any stretch of the imagination that God is calling us to a vow of poverty, calling us to, to give all of our wealth and all of our money and everything and just live as, as nomads in tents. I don't believe that that's what God is calling us to do. But these men for three and a half years followed Jesus on this unexpected journey throughout the surrounding region, preaching and seeing the, the, the kingdom of God being proclaimed and healing happening. And it says that they forsook all of their old life. They forsook all of that, the boats and everything, and they followed Jesus. What are you willing to leave in order to follow Jesus? What are you willing to set aside in order to truly follow Jesus? Now, here's what I found about giving things up for God. He doesn't ask for everything. Usually, 
He just asks for that which we know will keep us comfortable. We want to squirrel something away. We want to put it on the side just for a little while. I'll give up this much, Lord, but don't ask for that because that is my comfort zone. That's my comfort level. And usually that's the very thing that Jesus will just kind of nudge and say, yeah, that too. For these men, it was their boats. It was their occupation. It was their reputation as fishermen. They were the professionals in this craft. And it says that they forsook all to follow Jesus. What are you willing to lay aside to follow Jesus? Are you willing to put some things down? Are you willing to allow Jesus to have first priority and first place in your life? Again, he doesn't ask for everything, but he does ask for something. He asks for us to come before him with an openness to say yes. Yes to his will and yes to his way. Are you resolved enough to leave the familiar behind to walk with a life of purpose, to walk with God in a place that may be uncomfortable for a time? Here's what I found about walking into uncomfortable places is that eventually the more I do something that I wasn't used to doing, the better that I get at it, the more ease it comes with and I start to learn how to do it. And here's the danger is that we can start doing the work of God on our own status. We can do it under our own strength. If we're not careful, we can do it and get so good at it that we now become the professionals at the craft. But if you're willing to forsake the familiar, to walk away from some things that you have known for a long, long time and follow Jesus, then the rewards of a life lived for God are more than you can ever imagine. The apostle said that we are to cast off every weight and the sin which so easily trips us up. And we are to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, fully trusting in what God alone can do. Are you willing to let Jesus on your boat, to share your resources, to get him involved in the mix of what it is that you're endeavoring to do? Are you willing to allow him to replace those earthly desires with his desires? If you are, then you're ready to follow Jesus. If you've been leading your life for a long time, it's time to follow. This is an invitation to follow Jesus like never before. Maybe you've been following Jesus for many years, but you say, you know what? I kind of wander as well. I go astray. I, I a lot of times want to look to the front of the line and see who's ahead of me, but today is a good reminder. All you need to do is follow one. Just follow Jesus. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just follow Jesus. Just get laser beam focus on him. Heads bowed and you just reflecting to God in, in your own heart. I'm gonna open these altars. I'm gonna say, the time is now. If you wanna follow Jesus closer, today is the day. If you wanna make that decision final and say, yes, I today wanna follow Jesus,